Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Welcome to Real Presence Live on your Upper Midwest Real Presence Radio Network. My name is Monsignor Schumacher, and I'll be your host for the next couple of hours. This is our first show in 2022. Happy New Year to all of you on this January 6th, this Thursday after Epiphany, or Epiphany. Uh, At the uh, next hour, we're going to talk about the kings, the magi, and we got a good show planned for you. I hope you all had a good Christmas and a good New Year's. And uh, we certainly did here at Corpus Christi, and we um, are grateful for all of our all of our listeners. We're looking forward to the year, and I, I hope you had a good start to your year. If not, uh, by God's grace, it will get better, and hopefully, the grace of this show will help you. Uh, my my first guest is um, a good one. My first guest in 2022, Dr. Leroy Husingay from the University of Mary. He's here in my office of the Corpus Christi Church. Um, Dr. Husingay, good morning. Good morning to you. It's great to have you. We've known each other for a long time. I've subletted you, so to speak, to um, speak and present to the new priest workshops here in the Diocese of Bismarck. I've always uh, respected you as a scripture scholar. You've taught me a lot about uh, the scriptures, um, and I have here in front of me the book we're going to talk about briefly, uh, called Loosing the Lion, your 2017 book on proclaiming the gospel of Mark. Uh, but let's uh, back up a little bit, and Dr. Leroy Husingay of the University of Mary, tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, what you do, and uh, where are you from originally? Let's start there. Sure. I was born and raised in Minot, uh, baptized at Our Lady of Grace, and grew up there, uh, graduated Minot High School, went to Jamestown College, and then out east to Princeton for grad studies, and then Duke to do my doctorate, and uh, taught in the Chicago area for a while. Uh, then I uh, came to U Mary in the summer of 2011, and I've been here since in Bismarck. And at UMary, I'm the Associate Dean of the School of Arts and Sciences and a Professor of Theology. Um, Tell us about your book, Loosing the Lion. Let's start with lion. There are four creatures from Ezekiel that represent the gospel. Uh, Why is Mark the lion? What are the other creatures that are represented? Why did you uh, entitle your book, Loosing the Lion? Well, as you and most of our listeners know, uh, each of the Gospels is associated with one of the four living creatures. So, for instance, John's associated with the eagle uh, because eagles were thought to have especially keen insight thanks to their keen eyesight. And, you know, as St. Augustine says, John was able to peer most deeply into the secret of Jesus' divinity. Mark gets associated with a lion uh, because the early church, uh, people like St. Irenaeus, 
thought that uh, Mark presented a rather royal, kingly Jesus. I entitled it Loosing the Lion because Mark's gospel's been really, I think, misunderstood or played down over the centuries because it's cryptic, it's a little bit odd, some of the stories seem weird, uh, and so I wanted to write a book that would more or less loose it or uh, free it for mass goers, for preachers, so that when it comes up in the uh, cycle in year B, uh, people might have something to uh, follow along with the mass readings, have a resource for preaching that would make good sense of Mark. I know that St. Pope John Paul II often used as a gift at his World Youth Day events uh, the Gospel of Mark is the gospel he gave. Um, it is the shortest. It is the first, right? Mm-hmm. Who was St. Mark? So little is known of the historical St. Mark. Um, in the scriptures, he's uh, John Mark. You find him mentioned briefly in Acts. You find him mentioned in a couple of Paul's later letters. According to an early tradition, a very early one, maybe early 2nd century, uh, Mark is described as Peter's uh, hermeneut, that is, his interpreter, which can mean a lot of different things. And this tradition tells us that Mark wrote down faithfully everything that St. Peter said, though not necessarily in order. And that's really about as uh, much as we know of the fellow. Uh, Other traditions have him going all the way to India and founding uh, churches in India, and so a lot of Indian Christians trace their origin back to St. Mark. Um, And of course, uh, he's, you know, like most of the apostles, save John, he uh, suffers martyrdom for his faith. Um, So why why has he been misunderstood throughout history? Uh, Again, it's a short and cryptic gospel. And, you know, if if you're preaching, if you're teaching... Something like Matthew's gospel, which, you know, has been the church's favorite gospel, uh, the first gospel, really. You know, something like St. Matthew's gospel is more user-friendly. It's accessible. It's got, you know, these five big blocks of teaching. Uh, Mark is more a story of what Jesus does more than what he says. And sometimes what he does is just odd. Like when he's walking on the water in Mark chapter 6, Uh, where the disciples mistake him for a ghost. You know, he's glowing, right? He's bright, and he's walking by them on the water. And Mark says, he intended to walk by them. He intended to pass them by. Uh, And they all cried out, terrified, for they thought he was a ghost. And it's just a, it's a really bizarre story. Um, You know, so when Jesus, like in Matthew, teaches things in the Sermon on the Mount, they're pretty crystal clear. When Jesus does things in Mark, they're not always clear. It's not always clear what the significance should be. It, you have to go deeper into, uh, well, frankly, literary analysis. The phrase, to pass by, I used in my homily yesterday, can be found in the Old Testament, for example, in the, in, in the book of Exodus. Um, God passed by Moses before his work. In First Kings, God passed by Elijah before his work. Uh, was Mark borrowing that theme of passing by, which was an occasion for God to manifest himself in some way? And in what way would he, would Mark have used that? Yeah, most certainly. Uh, 
So in the Old Testament, right, when God passes by someone, it's to reveal the divine glory. And in this story, uh, towards the end of chapter 6 in Mark, when Jesus intends to pass the disciples by, what it means, thanks to that allusion to these Old Testament passages, what it means is that Jesus, who's God incarnate, wants to reveal his divine glory to them. But they miss it because they're afraid, because they're scared, right? And so they don't understand it. Um, there's also in that passage an allusion to a couple verses in the book of Job, of all things, chapter 9. Uh, Job says in Job 9, uh, God treads the waves of the sea. Uh, when he passes me by, I do not perceive him. When he comes by me, I do not recognize him. And that's exactly what's going on in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus is treading the waves of the sea, and the disciples do not perceive him, do not recognize him. So that is another illusion that's going on in that passage. And, you know, a broader point here, if I may, is that if you want to be a good reader of anything in the New Testament, uh, knowing the Old Testament is a, is a prerequisite. Uh, the New Testament not only quotes, but alludes to the Old Testament all over the place. Let's talk a little more about this walking on the water um, story, which is found in all four Gospels. Mm -hmm. um, one of the most <laughs> heartfelt to me verses is 51, where, where after he said, don't be afraid, quote, here's verse 51. He got into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely astounded. I, I just, uh, I, I think that's kind of an understatement. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, you taught um, the, the priests how uh, fear and faith in Mark are our opposites. Mm -hmm. And uh, then the next quote is, their hearts were, they, they, un they did not understand the incident of the loaves. On the contrary, their hearts were hardened, which reflected back to Pharaoh. Mm -hmm. let's, talk, th th let's talk about Mark's teaching that fear and faith are opposites. And it's manifest in this story right here. Sure. You know, so today most people would oppose doubt to faith, right? Faith and doubt are the pairing. Uh, but a lot of things are opposites of faith, if you will. So I think of uh, Francis's first, really Benedict's last encyclical, uh, Lumen Fide, Light of Faith. You know, there, uh, faith was... Uh, compared with idolatry, right? Uh, in Mark's gospel, right, faith and fear are opposed. You have, you know, all, throughout the gospel several times, Jesus says things like, don't be afraid, just believe, right? Don't fear, have faith. Um, because fear drains faith. Uh, and the disciples, because they're scared so often, uh, you know, show themselves to lack faith. You know, Jesus will say to them, ye of little faith. Uh, they often miss out on divine revelation, on what Jesus is trying to reveal. And so if you have faith in Mark's gospel, you'll be given secrets, ultimately the secret of the mystery of the kingdom of God. Jesus will make things plain to you. But if fear gets in the way, uh, like the disciples in the scene, you won't see it. So what do you have to say to all those listening right now who have fear? Um, that courage, fortitude is a virtue, that faith is a virtue, and virtues can be grown and cultivated, right? It's not like 
you have such a level of faith and you're just set that way forever. Um, or that you're a naturally fearful person or that circumstances feel overwhelming. They might, but there's things we can do to cultivate courage, fortitude, and faith in us. Um, you know, praying some of the Psalms that David wrote when he was on the run, uh, going to adoration, even if you don't want to, uh, seeking out a, you know, a priest or another wise spiritual counselor, even when you don't want to, to be able to say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Um, you know, the exercise of virtue produces virtue. So if you exercise your faith, exercise fortitude, if you stop yourself in your tracks and say, yeah, this is scary, Right, but the Lord is not anxious. I'm not going to be anxious. Right? Dr. Dr. Husengay is my first guest in 2022. This is Real Presence Live on your Upper Midwest Real Presence Radio Network. My name is Monsignor Schumacher. We're coming to you live from the Church of Corpus Christi, where I am pastor here in Bismarck, North Dakota. Uh, we're going to take a short break, uh, Dr. Husengay. We're talking about his book, Loosing the Lion. Proclaiming the Gospel of Mark by Dr. Leroy Husengay. Doctor, where do they find your book if they want to find it? Well, of course, major online uh, retailers here in Bismarck, uh, Mayo Pharmacy, as well as the Rainbow Shop. Um, those would be the best places to look. H-U-I-Z-E-N-G-A is Husengay. H-U-I-H-U-I. Z-E-N-G-A. We'll be back in just one moment with more on Dr. Leroy Husengay, and we're going to talk about St. Mark's example of faith um, in, the, um, in the story of the woman with a hemorrhage when we come back. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, the Executive Director of Riverview Place in Fargo. The blessing of our foundation built on faith and our sense of fellowship strengthens our sense of safety, security, and community. This is what the region has come to rely on at Riverview Place for the past 35 years. We'd love to have you join us. 
Call 701-237-4700 to set up a tour today or check us out at homeishere.org. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. It is uh, January 6th, and my name is Monsignor Schumacher. Welcome to Real Presence Live. Dr. Leroy Husengay is my is my guest here, and uh, we're talking about his book, Loosing the Lion in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, and I only have 30 minutes with him, and so I'm, I'm just trying to um, feather out some themes here. Uh, one was the theme that that fear is the opposite of faith. But now, Doctor, I want to get to Mark's best example of, of what faith is. And you uh, mentioned it to our young priests, our new priests workshop here in the diocese, as, as well as is in your book. And it's, it's a story in, in Mark chapter 5, we're going to back up to 5 now, where, where there was a woman afflicted with hemorrhages for, for years. Uh, and and she, she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd, she, she touched his cloak, if only I could touch his clothes, I shall be cured. And you, you described this is uh, what faith is for Mark. Faith, faith is persistence in seeking Jesus in spite of impossible odds. I think she's such a beautiful example for faith because we often think that there are impossible odds in our life. But for, for, for Mark, this is faith. Elaborate on that beautiful story. Yeah, we often think that faith is assent. You say you believe something, right? You recite the Apostles of Nicene Creed and say, yep, I believe it. Uh, in, you know, broader understanding of faith, faith is an action. It's something that issues forth in action. It's this radical trust uh, in your heart. And in Mark's Gospel, that shows itself as uh, persistence, in seeking Jesus, again, in spite of impossible odds. So in Mark 5, Mark being a storytelling genius, he's got two stories kind of stitched together, right, in an ABA sort of way. Uh, first story starts, second story interrupts, third story, fin- uh, first story finishes. And the first story is a story of the synagogue ruler's daughter, right? Comes up to Jesus, says, my little daughter is at the point of death. You know, you know, please come heal her. And Jesus departs and goes with him, you know, to heal her. And there's a great crowd around him. And a woman uh, who's had a hemorrhage for 12 years fights her way through the crowd thinking, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. Now, that hemorrhage, you can imagine where it's issuing from, Right. Uh, probably a menstrual hemorrhage, and that makes her ritually unclean, right? There's nothing sinful about bodily things, but bodily things uh, make people unclean, both men and women. Everyone she's coming into contact with in that crowd is contracting ritual impurity. Uh, Ritual impurity is contagious. And so, you know, she's been holed up for 12 years, probably doesn't have a lot of visitors. You know, it's human nature not to want to spend a lot of time with sick people, plus this ritual impurity. Ancient Jews are not going to want to spend a lot of time in her presence. She's probably lonely. 
And yet she's like, you know what, in spite of all this, I'm going to come out of my house. I'm going to fight through this crowd because I just got to touch this guy's garment so I can be healed. She's desperate and she's acting on her desperation. She touches the hem of his garment and Shazam, she is healed. Um, it's interesting too. The text, Mark's text says, you know, Jesus perceived that power had gone out from him. It's not like he even actively willed this the way Mark writes that. It's just that he's such a live wire. Um, it really is her faith, her action of just touching his garment that gets her zapped and healed. Um, you know, it's a dramatic moment. Uh, Jesus turns around to ask, who touched me? And the disciples are like, you see this crowd and you're going to ask that question? Really? But he keeps looking around and she comes up to him and tells him the whole truth, right? That she touched his garment. Uh, and he says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go and be freed from your suffering. In the interim, we're back to the first story now. The little girl has died. Uh, Jesus is informed, uh, your daughter is, or excuse me, the synagogue ruler's uh, he's informed, your daughter is dead, why trouble the teacher any longer? And Jesus says, right, don't fear, just believe. And so he goes with the synagogue uh, ruler's ruler uh, to where the little girl's corpse is laid out and there's a crowd weeping and wailing, as you'd expect, nothing sadder than the corpse of a child. Um, and Jesus says, you know, she's not dead, she's only sleeping. Which you should never say at a funeral, right? I mean, Jesus can get away with it, you and I can't. So Jesus, you know, everybody's laughing at him because that's a dumb thing to say. Jesus takes uh, the father and the mother and three of his disciples into the place where she's laying and says, Talita Humi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And she stands up, she's raised from the dead. Right? And Jesus says, don't tell anyone, just give her something to eat. Because apparently being a corpse makes you hungry. Um, more likely, you know, what's going on is, you know, Jesus and Mark are signaling that she's not a ghost or a phantasm, that she's really in body, raised from the dead. So she should have something to eat. Now, Mark stitched these two stories together. The woman's suffering 12 years. The little girl is 12 years old. The, little, uh, the woman has menstrual impurity, right. the little girl has corpse impurity, uh, being near a corpse makes people ritually impure. Um, and they're both called daughter, right? My little daughter's at the point of death. Uh, daughter, your faith has made you well, go and be healed from your suffering. And there's about uh, 17 other connections between the woman and the girl that way. So Mark's a genius storyteller and he stitched these together. The flow of it, right, raises the reader's expectations. So as you go from the first story to the second, back to the first, you know, this woman gets healed of her menstrual uh, hemorrhage, you know, fine. You know, okay, not such a big deal, but now Jesus encounters death. He did this one thing, but let's up the ante. Can he even raise the dead? And Mark's resounding answer is yes. And uh, again, to begin uh, f where we began, faith for Mark is not uh, assent. But faith is persistence in pursuing Jesus despite impossible odds of which she is the model, that, that woman. Yeah, it's like for Mark and for all of us, uh, assent to what we believe is necessary but not sufficient. It's not really enough just to say you believe these things. Even the demons believe in God and shudder, says St. James. Um, you know, sufficient faith is this kind of faith, this persistence in seeking Jesus. 
Um, you know, I've talked to a lot of suffering and desperate people in the last couple of years, like you know, I imagine everybody has. You know, people have been in dark places, and it's tempting just to say, you know, God's forgotten me. This doesn't work. Why should I pray? This is hopeless. And Mark, you know, and every other, you know, saint through the ages would say, pray and never give up. Persist in seeking. So, um, as we as we we're, we're talking with Dr. Husinge here uh, on on the Gospel of Mark, this is all good stuff, and we're we could do this for hours. But yeah, Jesus Christ is. Uh, portrayed as you commented once as kind of a superstar going from miracle to miracle up in the ante he's dealing with demons he's dealing with death he's dealing with sickness and then when we start chapter six it seems like he runs into his biggest opposition of all he's just overcome death he's overcome demons he's overcome um, uh, sickness but it seems like a lack of faith is his biggest opposition. Not that Jesus does, cannot work, but when there's no faith, the grace cannot work through him. In chapter 6 then, you know, he was amazed at their lack of faith. Mm-hmm. This, this tremendous momentum s- slows down in chapter 6 because of people's lack of faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it shifts uh, at at that point, and, you know, especially towards chapter 8, uh, the gospel shifts from, you know, Jesus working all these wonders to Jesus focusing on teaching his disciples about suffering and death. Mark's gospel, like you've suggested, really does put the onus on the person, you know, to the point that Mark will, you know, as narrator, say that Jesus' power is limited. He can't do things if faith isn't there. You know, Matthew phrases it differently. Matthew will say he won't do things if faith isn't there. It's a subtle difference, but I mean, Mark is, you know, I think for theological purposes, putting the onus on us. And maybe that feels challenging or even threatening, but again, you know, faith, sure, it's a gift of God, but once you have that gift, it's a virtue. It can be cultivated. It can be strengthened or not. Uh, the book is named Loosing the Lion, Proclaiming the Gospel of Mark with Dr. Leroy Husingay. And you, you've written it in a way uh, that I, I use it to uh, help me with homilies. Is, um, it's um, ordered according to the, the readings at Mass. Right? So, you know, you have, you know, Thursday of week two, fifth Sunday in ordinary time. And when we're listening to the Gospel of Mark at Mass, this is a great book to have. It's very readable. Um, it's, it's a very, it's a very real book in, in many ways. Like on page 151, you write, Mark is weird, even bizarre sometimes. Here, an honest reading of the passage suggests Jesus honestly doesn't know who touched him. <laughs> and so you, 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 you have a real you know, organic um, a- appeal as, as you write. And that's why I've always enjoyed having you present to the new priests of the Diocese of Bismarck in terms of, of, of Scripture and, and making it relevant. So I, I recommend this book. You can use it during adoration. You can use it in your prayer. You can just you can use it as we uh, go through uh, the readings at Mass. It's called Loosing the Line, Proclaiming the Gospel of Mark, almost five years old, 2017. What are you working on now? Uh, well, I published a similar book on Matthew, I think 2019, and right now I'm writing a similar book on the Gospel of Luke, 
that's uh, due late summer. So hopefully it'll be out this calendar year. Fantastic. And again, uh, where can listeners uh, find this book that we're talking about today? Uh, online booksellers uh, here in Bismarck, Mayo Pharmacy, as well as the Rainbow Shop. Uh, those would be your best bets. Anything else you'd like to say? Well, thanks so much for having me, and I just uh, hope anybody listening picks up the Gospel of Mark and reads it and enjoys it. And, and it is, it is fast-moving. It's and intense. It's intense. It's intense. And thank you for shedding light on that today uh, for us. We're coming up on 29 minutes past the hour. My name is Monsignor Schumacher. This is Real Presence Live on your Upper Midwest Real Presence radio network, which is extensive. I wish a Happy New Year to all of you, as this is my first show in the year 2022. And we uh, had a good leadoff batter, Dr. Gay. You know what the leadoff batter has to do? get us on base. Mm -hmm. And so thanks for getting us on base for the rest of the show. We'll be back in just one moment. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 